You're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. All right, here we go. It's episode number two for right now. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about working from home, but first, triumphs and fails. Who wants to go first? I'll I'll jump in because uh, I was talking at the start of the show. Uh, This is, again, something that is both a triumph and a fail, but I've been a developer for 20 years, and I literally, for the first time, bought an external hard drive over the weekend to back up my computer in case of catastrophic failure, which I have had in the past once before catastrophic failure lost a laptop. How long ago uh, so, was that? That was probably like five years ago. Uh, so it so, took you five years to learn your lesson. I'm slow. I'm slow. Slow and steady wins the race. And you know, five years is a long time to learn your lesson. But I've learned it, and now I have a nice little four terabyte hard drive in the corner of my desk, slowly making sure that uh, I don't wake up and start crying. So I don't. I'm excited I don't know about that. whether to be proud or or like upset with you <laughs> i i think it's a uh, uh you know we're all human and we all have our uh everything is everything is a is a balance of safety and effort and uh i finally starting to err on the side of safety i have to admit i've still never done it hmm. right i never i mean anything it's important i'm already saving in the cloud any everything else is just i have scripts that i run if I, I could destroy my machine right now and i have a giant uh, powershell script that would just rebuild everything for me yeah but you've got safety yeah but you yeah, yeah. with your cloud backups yeah yeah well so and, and i guess i'll say that i part of it is that all of my super super critical things are on github mm-hmm. I mean, yep. when i say super critical i mean my work stuff mm-hmm. that's all already on github so even if my computer blew up i'd be mm-hmm. able to to get pull all that stuff and then i guess i'd I do have some important documents in Dropbox, although every article will tell you not to treat Dropbox as a backup system. But, uh, you know, seems like a backup system in, in an emergency. Mm-hmm. I just know I would never actually take the time to continually back it up. So whenever I did lose it, I'd still wind up being in the same situation. That's just me. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, man, this the backup's like six months old. So I, I feel like I'm finally at the big boys table. So <laughs> I'll get there one day. <laughs> or not. Or not. I'll go next. Uh, so my try, I have a triumph for this week. So kind of at the last minute, I got contacted by uh, one of those big Silicon, I won't name the company, but a big Silicon Valley company to just be on a panel about the future of their, their programming language, which I don't know that was kind of cool. You, cool. You've been around long enough. People just tap you and they give you a little gift card, you know, for the, for the, for the trouble. For your but, trouble. For your trouble. A little Amazon gift card, <laughs> which is nice. But, you know, just to say, hey, come, come give your opinion on this. And they didn't prep me, didn't tell me what to say. But still pretty cool to be on a virtual conference like that. So that, That's that cool. A- I, I knew you were doing it. I, I popped in for a little bit. But I didn't know that that was a last-minute thing. I thought you would been planning that for a long time. I, yeah, it, did, it didn't come out as unplanned. It sounded really good. Well, that's another trial because I literally, like, 30 minutes before the topic, pulled up the little document that they said what we're talking about I'm like okay and then uh, we went so that was that was it how about you carol um yeah so i had a failure and a triumph i guess so um got forced into a password reset 
only to realize I couldn't reset my password. And this was in the Oracle because I had configured my test environment to point to the QA environment this whole time. Uh So it also explained why my data was always wrong when I was looking at tests. (laughs) So I got that fixed, but I had to reach out to a DBA who then was like, you've got the wrong service name. You're pointing tests to QA. So, hey, it's fixed now and my login's corrected. So lesson learned. Read the documentation. Yep. Well, I guess that just leaves me. Uh, I have a fail to report this week. Um, so I made that cardinal sin and I committed something to the main branch mistakenly when I thought I was committing to a feature branch. And um, because I'm an administrator on our GitHub repo, it didn't bark at me when I pushed the change. Um, and uh, so, I, I mean, I guess maybe you could say the fail there is that we have that um, that checkbox in the settings that allows administrators to to bypass the uh, the restrictions of needing uh, an approval on a pull request before merging into the main branch. But yeah, it happened, and and uh, you know, I think like Ben said, I've been working professionally in this industry for twenty years, so uh, it, it's something that should not be biting me. But uh, I did oh, it. I'll tell you, some of the happiest moments of my life have been when they've taken permissions away from me at work. <laughs> you know, it's like you start out a company's small so you can do everything. And then slowly you don't access these private keys over here. And you don't have access to the production database. And then you mm-hmm. can't access certain Git repositories. I'm like, not my problem. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, I still we're still so small that I kind of have the keys to the kingdom, at least in terms of the code. There's you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't, but I miss that. I miss that so much. Being able to just control everything or having access to it. Now I have to go through everybody to get two things and I'm having to adjust to that. Yeah. Yeah. That also has its challenges for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like the, you know, embarrassing moment when you find out from the DBA you've pointed your test environment to QA. <laughs> <laughs> If I had control myself, nobody would have known. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's get rolling with today's topic. Um, Being a remote engineer, uh, half of us have been doing that and half of us are new to it. So we want to dive into some tips, tricks, and even the pitfalls. So I have a fun uh, working from home story that might be good to start with. Um, So I've been working from home for eight plus years, maybe nine years now. Um, and when I first started, we were doing consulting, um, which was kind of fun. Um, you know, normally consulting is, is pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, laid back to, to start with. And by the time that I started this job, I had always felt like, um, I, uh, worked pretty quickly and could get my work done quickly and, and, uh, finish, ahead of most people's expectations. And so when I started working from home, it was pretty great that I would be able to uh, turn in something well ahead of my deadline after having spent a day or two playing video games in my basement. <laughs> uh, and no one was any the wiser because I was consulting and working from home and, and uh, you know, they were happy with my output. And that was great. The golden age of working from home, I think. <laughs> Well, maybe should we just go around and, and, and say who's been working from home for how long just to kind yeah. of us lay the land? Sure. So Adam, you, uh, you said you've been working on nine years? Yeah. Um, I used to work in Philadelphia. Uh, and through some of the connections that I made while I was in Philadelphia, I 
got the opportunity to take the, my current job, um, and we don't have an office, so our entire company is work from home full time. And so, uh, I believe I'm coming up on my nine year anniversary, and uh, so yeah, I've been home full time since then, and it's not always been easy. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I've been working at home, I think, about seven years at this point. Uh, I work at Envision, and Envision is an entirely remote company, and we have about 600 employees mm. uh, globally. So uh, we've woven it into our into our culture forever. So it's uh, it's interesting. So for me, I was able to work remote before as needed. So if I didn't feel good or whatever's going on, I always had the opportunity, but I had a desk and I had an office to go to. And that is where I spent, I would say 95% of my time was in an office. So starting in February of this year with COVID and with an injury, I ended up working from home. So this has been new to me, um, kind of having to set my own schedule and maintain it and also maintain my life around that. It's, it's been an adjustment. Yeah. Same for me. Yeah. I 20 years worked in an office, had, had my own office, shared offices. And now since COVID in, in March and breaking your leg, <laughs> I didn't break my leg. <laughs> I broke my leg. That was me. That was, that was the joke. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I didn't break it. my leg. And I didn't break her leg. Um, (laughs) Or so he tells everybody. That's right. That's what we told HR. Um, No, just, yeah. So working from home and it's, it's been, it's been a struggle. I'll 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 be honest with you. I went through a period of of depression the first month, Mm -hmm. month and a half. Um, I think part of it was just being quarantined as well on top of working from home, but it was definitely a struggle. Right. Um, So for me, the challenge, the biggest challenge I faced early on was I didn't have any expectation to be anywhere at a certain time. So prior to working from home, you know, I got up, I took a shower, I put on makeup, I got dressed, I left my house. Mm -hmm. Well, by not doing that, it was like, oh, I can sleep an hour longer and then just walk and grab the coffee and walk to a desk. Well, then an hour turned into, oh, if I do it for two hours and then don't really eat lunch, it's totally fine. And then suddenly I'm going, it's 10 o'clock and I'm not even starting work yet. Like I have to adjust back. And that also hit me because then I'm not working out. I'm not leaving the house at all. Like I'm not putting any effort into most things that were priorities before. And I'm just pretty much being lazy a lot. And it's taken this entire time to finally get to where I have my alarm set again and I'm getting up at a certain time, even though I know nobody knows if I'm up and working other than is my icon green or is it not green? (laughs) Like that's, that's the only known if I'm working or not. So I've had to, you know, get back into making myself have a schedule when no one requires me to have the schedule. Yeah, that's key. Having set hours, uh, especially if you've got other people depending on you, like I know you've got kids, I've got kids, um, just to be able to set that expectation, like between these hours, I'm unavailable or only available for emergencies. Yeah, yeah schedule is, uh, I'm, I'm an individual that absolutely thrives with structure. And I, I wake up at the same time, seven days a week. I start work at the same exact time. My lunch will change a little bit depending on what meetings I have. Um, but I take a full lunch, you know, usually to go for a walk or, or try to work out. And then I stop work at the same time every single day. 
and uh, and rinse and repeat. And I and I find that I need that exact schedule in order to to function to function well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the routine. F- go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you ever find that when you're bored, though, it's easy to just go pick it up and get back to what you were doing? Because now we're all bored and at home and don't have anything else going on. So that was a struggle before that I would just be like, all right, have nothing else to do tonight. So I'm just going to go work a few more hours. But then that turns into being burnt out. So am I the only one that was doing that or does that? The temptation is there. Um, and I would say if you're enjoying the work and it's not burning you out, then, uh, you know, there, I don't want to say there's nothing wrong with it, but uh, there's nothing wrong with it every now and then or in short bursts. Um, you don't want to work for free uh, as a habit in, as part of your routine. But, um, you know, if it, it, I think of it kind of like um, a side project, right? So if I get a, a, a feature that I have to work on for work and I'm just super hyped about it and I'm really excited about learning whatever the new thing is or dealing with whatever API or whatever, then, um, you know, I, I have no shame putting in an extra hour or two just because I'm excited. Um, you know, nothing wrong with that. I think one thing that's really helped us at work culturally is that communication between people really happens during business hours. Mm -hmm. And I know when you're remote and everybody's communicating digitally, it's really easy to start messaging people at like nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, you know, especially if you're on the East coast and they're on the West coast or vice versa, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but for everyone to sort of commit to just not doing that and being very respectful, of, here are the business hours. Here's where we communicate. If you're going to communicate outside this, it should be some sort of asynchronous form of communication. Oh, you guys don't, could you have a slack that you're saying is not asynchronous? even with slack i feel like we've been very good about it i I think it's just something that we 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 have stated business hours um Mm -hmm. even though we have people spread out we we typically work in a certain set of hours east coast time and i think most people are are just good about communicating strictly within those periods it sounds like it would be helpful in a big company i was gonna say like time zones probably uh you know has a an important role depending on the size of your company and how far spread out you are. Yeah. I am the only one on the East coast for us. We'll have a project manager, but I'm the only one on the East coast and everyone else is California. So I'm a three hour shift and I have my Slack set to do not disturb starting at six 30, my time, which is three 30, their time. And we've been really good about not having that communication unless it was a planned event. And in which case I just sign on later that day, or I take a three hour lunch and, you know, chill. I think the hardest thing for me was the lack of movement, right? Yeah. Yeah. Particularly quarantine. I I think that kind of compounded it. It may not have been so bad if I was my choice to work from home. It really, it wasn't my choice. It was mandated that we had to. And just the lack of movement of not going from you mean physically, right? Physically, yeah. yeah. It's not physically moving from my house to a place to say I'm working now, right? Mm-hmm. So is it the change of scenery that you're looking for or the physical, like the exercise sort of aspect or both? I, both. Yeah, I think it's both. It, it's So I okay. felt like I wasn't doing anything, although I was probably actually doing a lot more than I normally was. 
Right. Because uh, I'm like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like Ben in that regard, but I am, I do like a, a routine. I do get up at the same time every day and I start working. Uh, if I don't, I feel guilty. A couple of mm-hmm. times I slept in, I felt terrible about it. So you know, <laughs> I just stopped doing it. So I got up to do it. You know, the worst for me though, is when it's a quiet day. It's like, it's really good. If I get on, there's people there, I can like start chatting with them and you check on things and, you know, start poking the beehive. And that makes me feel like, you know, stuff's happening. Today was awful because I don't think hardly anyone talked to me today. No, no one sent me any messages. And I'm like, something's wrong. Like I'm out of the loop. Right. Are, yeah. Yeah. Are they talking about me behind my yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's like the paranoia. Yeah. Did I, did I, did I, did yeah. I bathe? I did they shower. wouldn't know. It's right. fine. I, I can relate, but mine was a little different. So when, when I was having similar thoughts, it was... I was the second employee of my company, right? So we have our CEO and then I was the the only other person working at the time. And he's not the overly communicative type. You know, I'm, I think I'm just more outgoing and I, uh, I find value in that, um, open communication. Like even though it was just the two of us, I, I found value in it being in, I think at the time it was hip chat. <laughs> this was Ooh, pre, yeah. pre slack. Uh, but, uh, you know, having it there to be able to refer back to or or something, something about that just seemed more valuable than email or uh, a phone conversation or something like that. And so I would, I would be chatty in there all the time and he would not be as, you know, uh, responsive. Uh, yeah. Responsive or, or, uh, n- not the one to start conversations. It just wasn't oh. his style of communication. Yeah. 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 I see that. And, um, so I would have similar thoughts, like just a, a feeling of, of, uh, lonesomeness. Mm-hmm. But, but it's and, funny when we were in the office, I would literally have Slack conversations with people 15 <laughs> feet away from me and the door behind yeah, you. Yeah, right. And never, never physically interact with them, but I knew they were there. I don't right. know why that made a difference, but it's gotten better now. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten a little bit more used to it now. And, and as long as it's not a quiet day, I'm, I'm usually happy. Right. So, uh, I mean, I know there's a pandemic right now and this is not really a a viable suggestion for this week, but something that helped me a lot in the beginning, uh, especially with that sort of like, I feel like I need the change of scenery, a little bit of exercise to get up and move. I, I find it difficult to motivate myself to just go for a walk around my neighborhood at lunchtime. Like lunchtime, I tend to either feel like, okay, this is my time to relax and reset my brain. So I'll watch a TV show for my hour or whatever. Um, or if I'm either really excited about something or I'm working on something that's really important, then I will eat as fast as I can and get right back to work. Right. Those are sort of the, the the two patterns I see in the way I handle my lunch hour. Uh, even though I fully admit and wish that I had the motivation to get up and go for a walk at lunch. So what I found worked really well for me early on in my remote career was, uh, taking my laptop and going out to somewhere I would go to a Starbucks or to um, there's a couple of brew pubs near me that would open up at noon. So I would like go out at noon, grab lunch uh, and finish the day out there sort oh, of nice. thing. So it was, you know, it was like co-working by myself, right? I would just yeah. go out somewhere and the, the change of scenery, the noise, the, the just beer. hearing other people talk. Yeah. Yeah. That chatter. And, and I mean, I know it's not everybody's company culture, but uh if you would like to and and nobody at your company minds, it's kind of 
nice to be able to have a beer while you finish your work day. Yeah. Plus it forces you to put pants on. Which yes. is, there or, is that. Yes. that. You got to put on the good sweatpants. Yeah. It's I, a, like, I like that video sweatpants. is up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, just tighten up. <laughs> One thing I found, because I, I love to cook. I, I don't, some of you probably know that about me. I love to cook. And so I, I got into the habit of like, getting into little food projects while I was working and mm. it became a big distraction early, early on. And I think I was stress eating as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, I would, I, you know, I'd get up in the morning, I'd like to go start, you know, creating, making some kimchi and then I'm making, you know, doing some, getting some steaks ready in the sous vide for, you know, the thought of, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm at home, so I've got time to do that. And I wound up, cal- you know, calculating the time I was spending cooking versus working. And I was like, I'm cutting into my work time here by cooking so much and I started gaining a lot of weight, which <laughs> didn't make me happy. So to take my control back, um, one thing I've done for the past two years is, is water fasting. So what helps me get through the week to kind of mark the days is I actually don't eat food from Sunday night until Friday morning. I only drink water. Wow. Four days a week. It, you said from Sunday night to Friday morning. Right. Four days a week. I only drink water. That's intense. Yeah, it is intense. But uh, I mean, I built two years building up to that. I, I did it for two days, and I did it for three days, and then during the pandemic, I'm doing it for four days. And so I spend the whole week really looking forward to Friday. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's intense, dude. That is uh, a lot. Yeah. Well, I did it for my my you know cholesterol. I, I dropped my cholesterol 200 points doing that without having oh, to nice. take without having to take medicine. So I don't not, I do not recommend it to anyone. No. Do not do not anyone out there listen to this. This is not a push that. for this. It's not a push for this. <laughs> this just works for me. So we are not doctors. No. No. I have one in the other room if you need. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask later. <laughs> one thing that uh, when I first started to work from home, one thing that was surprisingly stressful for me was the dog. And suddenly she's sitting there and staring at me and I start to worry about whether or not she's sufficiently intellectually stimulated as a dog, right? Mm-hmm. Like I actually had to start doing research <laughs> about how much activity dogs need and how much attention. And it turns out that they're, predators and they actually should be sleeping most of the day and it's not you know you don't have to be entertaining them 12 hours so that was that was a little bit of a relief but i i even even today i still i worry that she's getting attention and it's not just a couple of short walks a day and we're We're neglecting her we're facebook friends i've seen her hump that pillow she's good (laughs) (laughs) she's she's happy she self-suits exactly Uh, I'll have to bring my dog in sometime and, and let him sleep on uh, the sofa behind me uh, while we're recording sometime. You'll be able to hear him snoring. I have a Boston Terrier and uh, yeah, he's, he sleeps all day and he sleeps all night and he's a, they call it brachycephalic. He's a smush faced dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they snore like crazy. Yeah. We got two pugs and they have been the MVP of this pandemic. I don't think any of us in this family would have survived without those dogs. They've kept us completely sane with their silly antics. The the other challenge is is kids, right? So I've got two teenagers, and they're you know they're we took them out of public school and and started homeschooling them, and and making sure that they're doing their schoolwork and getting up on time and all that stuff. But actually, think I think it's been good for them. They've been able to go at their own pace, and it, so they're in the over usually in the next room while I'm working. So I'm just curious if they're over listening to me during my conference calls and wonder. 
does dad really say that? Does he say, let's circle back? Or, you know, <laughs> is he that guy for real? <laughs> <laughs> so that actually kind of dovetails nicely with something I wanted to circle back on. So you were talking about... <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally unintentional. Uh, the, the, oh God, see, now I can't think because you made me laugh. you're old. Well, that too. So Tim was talking earlier about uh, being able to step away to to work on food, that sort of thing. And I have to say that's got to be, for me, um, one of the biggest benefits and one of the reasons that um, I was willing to take a risk on this job. You know, uh, working for for one other person at that small of a company where it's just the two of you is, is a huge risk. Um, and uh, one of the reasons that that was so appealing to me to make it worth the risk was the ability to spend more time with my kids um, and not just like, you know, I'm, I'm home earlier and I leave later sort of thing. But, um, you know, the days that they're home, if they're sick or something, I can be there for them. Um, if they need to go to the dentist, you know, I can be the one that runs out and takes them out. Um, and yes, the, the lack of a commute, one of the things I used to say was that like, now I have the opportunity to make my kids breakfast and lunch every day. And that was true for a long time, but now my kids are, are grown up even more. You know, that, that was eight years ago that I was saying that thing. And uh, now they make their own breakfast and lunch and I don't, they don't need me anymore. You're but, still around uh, though. You're yeah, still around yeah. in the area. So if they have a question about it, you're just a room away. It's easy yeah. for them to, to have that conversation. Whereas if you're not there, you do miss out on those little quick conversations that would have never existed. Yeah. But it's, it's the little things, right? It's stuff you never would have expected. The, the huge benefit of being able to take five minutes in the middle of the day and go have a conversation about something that's important to them is huge to them. And it costs me five minutes Mm -hmm. that, you know, somebody who works in an office might take five, 10 minutes smoke breaks in a day. That's an hour's worth of work that they're giving up. And, um, you know, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, uh, you know, the kids being in the next room. My son is is part of extra schoolwork, is taking a Harvard course online about computer game programming, which he's really, really thrived at. I mean, he's, he's it's it, the course curriculum looks really cool. They've done like a version of Flappy Bird, and he's built uh, a Mario clone. And oh, that's awesome. He's done some. I mean, they give you a lot of the code already so all the digital assets and everything are already there so you feel like you're actually building a game because you are mm-hmm. uh, it's in lua and then in uh, they're using unity engine um, but you know <laughs> i'm in here banging my head against the keyboard for you know some error that i've been working on and then i go in there and he's, he's in there banging his head against the keyboard because he forgot <laughs> he forgot a semicolon somewhere and i'm like son doing the same thing man <laughs> yeah i mean you feel like just going high five yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. To, to bond over that he's so yeah. proud of himself he's, come here come here I, I created you know this this port it's he did like a version of portal that he's working on now oh awesome and he's showing me that i'm like i'm pretty amazed at the stuff he's doing but yeah to be able to i couldn't do that if i were i, I would come home from work and he'd show it to me and i'd be tired and but now when he's excited at that moment he could just you know, if right. not in a meeting, he can say, hey, come come look at this. I did this cool thing in Unity Engine. looks like Portal. And that, that's that's invaluable. So it's... That's, yeah, or he finds the missing semicolon and never tells you that right. he never... That he... You never know that it, it happened to him. So right. you don't have that moment. Yeah, or he... Or it's like... 
when we're in the office, people walk by and distract you all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, since you know you want to talk, I'll give you a minute to talk to you. Yeah. When you're at home and it's them, it just it feels more valuable. It feels like that five-minute conversation, like Adam said, it's more valuable than a five-minute smoke break any day. Yeah, because I mean, he came in and asked me and told me about it. He's like, I can't figure this out. And, uh, you know, I just, I talked him emotionally through it, but I'm like, I'm not going to debug this for you. That's your job. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then when he finally, uh, an hour later, I hear, oh my God. <laughs> and he found the one missing space that he, you know, yes. it, you know, that, yeah. you know <laughs> that triumph, that shared joy was awesome. Yeah. That's one cool. Thing, uh, one thing that I, I think all of us have said at this point is that, uh, we do have a separate space at home that mm-hmm. yeah. is now sort of the de facto office. And I think yes. just to acknowledge that that makes a huge difference, that it's it's not that, you know, we're lucky enough that we're not at a kitchen table mm-hmm. and our, you know, entire family is right there doing their work on, their, on, on the couch or something. Like we still have what is effectively an office, mm-hmm. even if this right. is the second bedroom. Yep. But that, yeah. it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's still a designated area because that was one of my struggles was I am, I have ADHD already. So my focus is not on until it's on. So when I would wake up, I'm like, oh, I need to go do the laundry. Well, I can't go to work until the laundry's finished drying. It's like Mm -hmm. the whole process has to be done. And I'm wandering around the kitchen going, well, there's dirty dishes I need to pick up. So once I stopped working out in my house, like just in the general area and moved into my office, my physical office, it, it was very, very hard to stay focused. There was just way too many things around me, too many things that felt like what needed to be the priority because I had gotten really good at telling myself when I'm at work, work's priority. When I'm at home, home's priority and you don't cross them. So to be at home and to try to make work a priority was difficult up front. So having, having an office definitely. Or just even if it's just a door that you can shut, like if you can put a little fold up table and a chair in your bedroom Mm -hmm. and you can shut, shut the door and say like, look, when the door is shut, uh, I'm at work. And if you need me, you can text me and you can email me. And if it's an emergency and the house is going to burn down, then yeah, come knocking. But, uh, or even do that to yourself. You know, yeah, yeah. don't wander out to the laundry room to go do the laundry, you know, wait for lunch to do that. If it's really going to bother you, like go put the laundry in and then take a walk and then throw it in the dryer when you get back. Right. Yeah. So I think the challenge this year is it, some, usually it's work home balance and now it's like work home integration. Yeah. So yeah. Integration. That's a good way to put it. I stole that from somewhere. I don't know where, but <laughs> you heard it here a second. Yeah. You, you stole from me, stole twice. Yeah. I was just listening to, I think it was an episode of uh, Freakonomics, which mm-hmm. if you haven't yeah. tried it, it's a, it's a really fantastic show. And uh, they were talking about, I can't remember, it was a company, I want to say maybe it was in China. And uh, they did a six-month experiment at this one company where they selected half of their employees to work at home for six months randomly to see if they would uh, be more productive. And they found that after six months, People who work from home were actually, I think they said, thirteen percent more productive. But then, when the study ended, I think something like twenty-five percent of the people who work from home actually wanted to come back into the office, hmm. and only a handful of the people who had been working in the office decided that they wanted to then work from home. Now that there was more of an open policy around it, so it's it's definitely not for everybody, right? I, you know what? I, 
that kind of made me think of something. So in Philadelphia, there is a co-working space called Indie Hall. And um, I, I know there's a lot of co-working spaces out there that get a bad reputation for it's a, you know, it's a subscription desk and electricity and, and locked door service. And that is not at all what Indie Hall is. But, and I haven't spent a ton of time at Indie Hall, but I, I did go there and it's definitely way more of like a community. And I think that if I was going to crave leaving my working at home situation, that would be what I would want, right? Like, I don't want to go back to a stuffy office where I have to wear uh, an iron shirt and slacks and not sneakers and uh, that sort of thing. Like, I crave being around other people and the 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 clean break between home sometimes, home and work. Uh, but I don't know that the thing that I'm craving is actually being in an office. Mm-hmm. Like, an office seems like too much sometimes. I think that uh, maybe a co-working space is probably a good choice for a lot of people who feel like they they are, for whatever reason, working from home isn't working for them. But you got to find the right co-working space. Well, and, and and I think it's it's important to remember that we're all in this together and there's all going to be a certain degree of lacking or maybe yearning for some human interaction. And, yeah. and, and I think pulling that into the business context is really, really healthy because I know um, a lot of teams will have daily rituals around meetings and, and updates and whatnot. And, and I think when you're in an office and everybody wants to just get back to their desk and start working, it's very sort of by the books, you know, Adam, what are you doing? Carol, what are you doing? Tim, what are you doing? Okay, back to work. But when that meeting is now the time during the day, I actually get to see other people's faces. Like don't make it just business, Mm -hmm. you know, feel free to talk about TV shows and your kids and what your pets did. And, and like, yeah, throw some business in, but don't make it just business because this is now both the meeting room and the, the water cooler, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. No, our, our morning stand up meeting, especially after the pandemic became a lot of a mix of what's going on that day in the business and also commiserating over the, the problems of having our children in our hair all day as we're trying to work. <laughs> I want to go back to what Ben said earlier about productivity, because I do find that interesting. So you said that, that Freakonomics thing said that, that the, the team that was remote became more productive. Is that correct? Yeah, I think they said 13%. And I, and I think it was, um, I, I can't remember the, the, the type of company. It was like they did a lot of phone calls and reaching out, I think, product sales. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, they had something that they could very concretely measure in mm-hmm. terms of productivity. Um, and, I, and I think they said that the remote workers ended up being 13% more, more productive. Yeah, so why I find that interesting. So the, the company that, that I work for, it's, it's kind of a smaller company, but it's inside of a portfolio of a much, much larger company. And over the bigger company scale of, you know, tens of thousands of employees, you know, they send out these newsletters and their experience, and this is global, um, that since everyone has the company mandated that everyone inside there has to work from home during the pandemic, um, that productivity has not dropped off. It has gone up, which has been their finding that they're working from home. They were afraid would negatively affect them they found the exact opposite it has not negatively affected productivity what it has hurt is morale there's been a big hit morale for people that have been forced to work from home 
and probably because of the same things that I emotionally went through, uh, you know, just that level of lack of control, uh, slight little bit of depression, a little bit of uncertainty. Um, and so to combat that, what uh, we've been doing, and I don't know what the other companies in our portfolio have been doing, but what we've been doing is trying to have more just for fun kind of social things. Like we had a couple months ago, we had a, a an online cocktail class that people could sign up for. <laughs> and they, we have this company and they, they had these you know, cocktail, we get, and they brought us, they actually shipped to us the alcohol and we made nice. the drinks. We got to get on the camera and everyone was there. What we, and that was really lots of fun. People stayed like, I mean, that was toward the end of the day. We, we could do it during working hours. So I think it started at three and then it was like an hour and a half class. And then afterward, people stayed off like two hours and just chatted, which was great. Uh, we did like an escape room, an online escape room. We did uh, our murder mystery a clue murder mystery online. We, you know, these are paid companies. We, and this is during working hours. And so it's, it's been an effort to increase morale mm-hmm. and to, to kind of have sort of that social interaction. Um, and it, it's helped, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see next year when things quiet down, how many people will want to continue to stay home and how many people will want to uh, go back to work. I would actually just prefer to stay home for the most part, unless there's a, a meeting that I need to attend. Yeah, I will be staying home. Well, and and I think just going back to Tim's point about stress, that there is a difference, an important difference between people who plan to work from home and people who have Mm -hmm. now been forced to work from home. It's a very different experience. And not to say that you can't transition from one to the other, but don't on day one expect that you're having the work from home experience because you're not really. No, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's hard. It was, I, I think it was years before I really stopped having cabin fever. I can't remember the last time that I actually went out and intentionally worked someplace out of my home uh, because I felt like I needed to. Uh, you know, I, 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 I used to need that in order to just feel like I wasn't going to vibrate out of my chair. But uh, lately, you know, I, I guess I've just gotten into the right rhythm, the right routine with work, and we have a lot of challenging work going on. So, uh, you know, I just feel like from the time that my butt hits the seat in the morning until the time that it's time to to leave in the afternoon, uh, you know, I'm I'm engaged and and I don't feel the need to to go anywhere else anymore. And I think that it it wasn't something that I noticed in the moment, but I can remember look like looking back and going, you know, it, it actually has been a while since I felt that need to go somewhere else. And I don't know what clicked, but something did eventually. And I think it just takes time to get there. Well, and, and when I used to work in an office, I, I would never even have considered leaving early just because the people whole, see, the, people see yeah. the whole point of being in an office is you to be there. Yeah. Like yeah. that's in seats time. Right. And, and now that, everybody is remote uh it 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 feels way easier to at 4 30 in the afternoon just say to the team you know i'm really burnt out and i'm gonna leave and i'm you know slack me if there's an emergency but i'm done for the day Mm -hmm. because it's i I, you know maybe just because it's not so physical it it feels so much i want to say safer to Mm -hmm. to put yourself out there and admit that you just have to step away from the desk. Whereas in a physical office, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I, it, it would have never in a million years occurred to me that I'm just going to push away from my desk and walk out of this room that has 30 other people in it. 
Hey, yep. you guys. I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to actually work a lot later when I was in the office. I would put in a lot more hours. And now I, I do cut off more. I'm like, I'm going to cook dinner. Bye. Like done. That That's a hard stop where I'd be like, all right, I'm just picking up some food on the way. It's fine. Yeah. No big deal. I got to work late. Yep. No, I, I, and that's another huge benefit of working from home is that not only can you have that flex time to take five minutes to be with family when they need you, but also um, if you're already working remote, then... There, if, there's pretty much no reason. I guess it depends on what you're doing, but for what we're doing, developing, writing code, um, there's al- almost no reason that I can think of that uh, you couldn't leave an hour early to go to a doctor appointment and then come back and make up that work hour after. later. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Or, it's not like I had to like drive that. back to the office and go work it. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the, last week, my, my wife had neck surgery. And so she's been laid up. So this is, I mean, it's been a real blessing to be able to be here because I can be here for her and make sure she's taking it because she can't hardly do anything. She's in a lot of pain. Can't even swallow, swallowing water. Mm. Water hurts. Poor thing. I mean, I would have had to take two weeks PTO probably before, but now it's like I can still work. I I mean, it's not a 24-7 check on her kind of thing, but it's like just get up every few minutes, check on her and see what she needs. So that's been, that's been wonderful. It's healthy yeah. for you to get up and walk away to every yep. few minutes. So from her, yeah. good no. thing. <laughs> both, both. We'll go both oh, ways. Okay. Yeah. She, she's like, please go, just go. Yeah, <laughs> don't you have some code to write, that's Tim? That's right. <laughs> but one other thing, okay. I, I got a different thing. We'll kind of jump off. So yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say to go back to the Freakonomics episode for a second. One of the guys that they were interviewing was saying that one of the really nice things about the pandemic, and I hate to say that, but one of the it's nice things thing. about it... The silver lining. Is, the is, silver is lining. That, yeah, is that it has removed a lot of the stigma of being a remote worker. Mm. Because mm-hmm. prior to this, people who would remote work were, were the odd man out. You'd be the yeah. one person at the office who worked remotely, and everyone in the office, you know, think about what's Carol doing? Is she even at her desk? Like special treatment? Yeah, There's yeah. a green light. Do you see the green light? Then I'm working. <laughs> right. So now it's it's uh, everybody has to do it. You realize, oh yeah, we're just at home working, just like we would be normally, and it's it's not a weird thing anymore. Right. And it kind of leads it. So one of my like life bucket list bucket list life plans. <laughs> at some point, say that again one more time. So, kind of, one of my bucket list. Ah. <laughs> now you can, one of the things I want to do before I die uh, is uh, to be like a digital nomad and to. You know, oh yeah, that sounds like so much fun. Just kind of sell everything and head out and and just move from uh, country to country and work remotely. Just you know, work remotely. Take your laptop with you because you you can do. I mean, if you can work from home, you can work from Lisbon or. Bali or Chiang Mai, Thailand. Um, you know, there's even a website, the nomadlist.com has a list of all the, the best places and cheapest places. And Just make sure your VPN connects to work and you're good. Yeah, yeah I, I've gotten it. I've gotten a taste of that actually, not not from Thailand, but you know, from a campground, uh, you know, a couple hours from my house. So my family, we have a, a very small pop up camper, and we like to go camping a lot during the summer. And you know, something that uh, has always been very clear to me at work is that it doesn't matter where I am, right? It doesn't matter if I'm working from the bar or from my desk at home or from somewhere on the road. As long as I'm getting my work done and I'm available to have the discussions that need to be had, then it doesn't matter. And so I have 
on many occasions taken my work with me. You know, we'll leave first thing on Friday morning, pull into the campground, get the camper set up. And then I tether my phone to my laptop and, and I put in my hours for the day and I punch out and I'm at the beach or whatever. It's great. Yeah. There's a guy on our, on our team. He That's what he has done before he started working for us. And they moved, actually, they live in a house now, but they lived in a, him and I think they have three kids and they went around the country in uh, um, R&B. an RV. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or I think it was a pool behind, but anyway, and for years, that's, that's how he lived. You know, he didn't tell me all the places they visited and I'm like, okay, it's kind of a nomadic life that seems kind of cool i'll do that i'll do that after the kids graduate so, yeah oh yeah. yeah i don't i don't want multiple people with me for that <laughs> that's right but could you imagine waking up and just sitting on top of your camper just climbing mm-hmm. your ladder to the top putting your your lawn chair up there and just coding from the roof yeah like looking at the grand canyon the view everything you have yeah and that's the good thing that we can't do it. That's why I love being a remote engineer is that I can do it from here. I can do it from anywhere. And then I save all my vacation time for vacations, not for our doctor's appointments or to run to the orthodontist or to pick up something from the store. I'm using my vacation for vacation, for time away, yeah. for the fun stuff. I still use PTO defensively, though. If there's, if, if there's a... Not saying I'm meeting, but it, basically, but I want the team to know, like, I really do not want to be bothered. I'm taking four hours. Sure, right? sure, yeah, yeah, sure. I can see that. So we've went over, you know, a lot. Um, what would each of you say is the biggest pitfall that you've had to um, overcome? Put us on the spot, why don't you? Yeah, pressure. Uh, I'd say, at least for me. In the earlier days of the company, it was getting late night text messages and feeling like I had to get out of bed. And, and go respond. Yeah. And that was, it just put me in such a foul mood. So you felt, you felt like since you were working from home, you had to like give extra connection to show you were still connected or something? Yeah. You, you feel, at least at first, I felt like I had to be always available because everybody You're at home computers in the next room yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and i think once i learned that i had to have boundaries that was a uh, that was really a huge improvement and okay. i i think our the morale at, for some people has gone down because they feel they haven't learned that lesson yet yeah and, and uh, they need to learn to to, to turn off. I think that's kind of the phase we've gotten into now and having yeah. to work from home is that people are learning, hey, just because my laptop's right there and I've been at it all day doesn't mean that I need to be at it at 10, 11 at night. Um, so. so someone should physically have to go through the chain of command and give me a call, like go through the list of people. My phone should have to ring if there's a problem, I shouldn't have to wait for a Slack Dean to be like, go look at this message. Like there, there should be a clear way that says this is when we have an emergency. Yeah. Close the laptop. Exactly. Well, we have um, to, to, I guess, follow on that a little bit. We use a service, not a, not an endorsement or anything like that, not an advertisement, but we use a service called Ops Genie that uh, in addition to being able to, um, with an API or whatever, push in when there's a, an outage or something that we need to deal with, we can um, create events on purpose. So like if, if something's going on and we know it hasn't raised an alarm, then somebody can go in and manually raise an alarm to get the attention of the person that's on call. Um, yeah. And that will break through your phone's do not disturb and all of that. So okay. if you configure it to, yeah. that's been handy. 
at work, we use a, a service called PagerDuty. Mm-hmm. And, and literally my last duty. moments, <laughs> literally my last moments of the day are turning on my alarm and then making sure my PagerDuty app has not crashed. <laughs> and that's it. And then I get into bed. <laughs> nice. So what's your biggest pitfall? Oh, goodness. Yeah, this whole time I've been trying to think of one. And I think the, it's tough because I feel like the only thing I can really think of anymore, I've been doing this for so long. The only thing that I still struggle with sometimes is boundaries. Um, and if it's sometimes it's because um, I'm annoyed with the kids because they're kids and they do kid things. Sometimes it's because I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing. Sometimes whatever, you know, whatever the reason is, sometimes, you know, I have an alarm set on my phone for five o'clock and it'll go off and I'll just turn it off and keep working and, and wait until somebody goes, you know, dinner's ready. Uh, and then I'll come down and I'm not proud of it, but it's true. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to try to force myself to, uh, to go down and be home at home time when I don't, when I'm not in the mood for it already. And I'm sure if I go and do it eventually, you know, it's like fake it till you make it eventually yeah. it'll, it'll come to you. Yeah. But when you're in that mindset, that's, that's what I find is the hardest to check out of. Like when my brain is on and I feel like I am just producing something that if I stop tomorrow, I may not remember yeah. what I was on. I don't want to walk away. And then I have to go, okay, you have to still stop. You have to cut it off. Like you have to be okay with picking it back up. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to walk away from flow state. And I guess in those cases, the best advice I can think of for myself is to leave myself a note, you know, mm-hmm. write, a, write a code comment and leave it uncommitted or something that says like, this is what you were working on. This was what you were thinking of for next steps. And, and this is how you should start it back up in the morning. And hope you're not like Ben and have a backup in case your computer crashes <laughs> that night. <laughs> There's a, a, a presentation, a couple of presents. There's a, a Rich Hickey who I believe is the inventor of, um, oh my God, closure. Oh, I thought you were going to say like jello pudding or, <laughs> or hickeys. <laughs> hickeys. He invented hickeys. Good job. Rich Hickey, he's got some fantastic presentations on YouTube. And uh, one of them is called Hammock Driven Development. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of dovetailing with what you were saying, that he advocates very strongly for thinking about something very, very heavily. And then going off and doing something completely unrelated, like laying in a hammock and, and letting that sort of primed brain work in the background, solving those problems, and then go back to work and, uh, and it hopefully comes more naturally. So I, I feel like when I stop at 6 p.m. every night, I'm often then it feels like letting stuff just marinate in the back of my brain while I'm watching TV, while I'm sleeping. And then sometimes I just feel recharged in the morning and ready to go. Yeah. Just what, he, what you said, Ben, just, just struck me. Cause it's like, I, I didn't know that was a thing, but I, I think I kind of have been doing that particularly in the springtime. I have a big vegetable garden that I, I kind of, that's my little hobby to put around. Mm-hmm. And if there was like a particularly stressful meeting, or if I just had a, like a really like a, a tough code problem, that's like, I'm sitting there for hours. Just, just my eyes are bleeding at the screen. I get up and I'll just go, walk outside and start just pulling some weeds or, you know, checking the plants for aphids or things like that. Do that for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then come back in. I feel de-stressed, right? And then now I can see clearly 
you know, the, the issues yeah. I'm working on. And that, that really helped me get through some, some rough patches there. Yeah. Shower thoughts are a real thing. Yeah. And, uh, there are shower beers I hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but just like Tim saying, pulling weeds, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, just familiarizing yourself with a problem and then completely separating yourself from work can help you find that solution. You'll just have that, that light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. Um, had a few of those in my day. So one thing I wanted to say before we wrap up is that uh, we we don't have any idea how we're going to do show notes or anything like that yet, but I found this uh, hammock-driven development uh, video from Rich Hickey uh, on on Closure TV on YouTube. So I will, uh, if, assuming we get show notes yes. figured out, I will add yes. it to that. And, uh, and you'll be the able to find it there. The list of to-do keeps going. If, yeah. if, I can, if I can plug one more Rich Hickey presentation. Do. It's called, yep. I think it's called Simple Made Easy. And okay. That sounds it's good. It's like really, really deep thinking about what it means to build software. So I will add both of those to the show notes and I've already added both of them to my watch later playlist on YouTube. So nice. I'll be checking those out. I'll be disappointed. Cool. Well, Carol, you want to bring it home? All right. Well, I guess with that, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys for listening. All three of you. (laughs) Well, there's four, right? We have four moms between us. Oh, I have two moms. We just went to five. Sweet. (laughs) And if you like this show, please share it with a friend. Don't just think about doing it. Pick three names from your contacts right now and send them an email saying, hey, check these guys out. More than anything else, what we need from you right now is word of mouth referrals. And after that, if you're still feeling generous, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you happen to get your podcasts. It would really help us out. And if you have something you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at Working Code Pod. Our DMs are open if you want to submit your topic anonymously. Slide on into them DMs, yo. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code. All right. All the jokes you guys made about me while I was gone, you know I'm going to see that on the recording, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just wanting to know if it was one or two. Uh, you're going to have to pay for my Patreon to find that out. <laughs> I, I post my, my log, my log log in my Patreon. That's number two. You did a log log. <laughs> a log log. You'll have to find out. You have to become a member, a patron. Ooh.